Welcome to your source of prime airsoft content, where we talk about everything from aim points to airstrikes. And today, we're talking about Angry Loner Ranch. What's going on guys? It's your host Mitch Murphy. Feeling good sitting back in front of this microphone. It's uh it's been kind of a really busy early summer for not being, you know, playing airsoft. COVID's been kind of locking everything down. Um everything's starting to open up now, so there's a lot of walk-ons going on and we're uh, we're about a month away from uh real Milsim opening back up. So I hope all of you out there are having a great time enjoying this summer weather. If you guys are out there starting to play already. Please let me know how you're doing, where you're playing. Um, but today's show is all about a field some of you might not actually know about. Uh, it's called Angry Loner Ranch. Now, a lot of you, if you've heard about it, you've heard about one of its biggest games and most notable games, Operation Deadfall. This this ends up being, it really has the, the stigma of being the most hardcore game in Ontario. And I wanted to break down some barriers on that and get the owner of the field, Brian, onto the show to talk about what really goes on on Deadfall. I wanted to get him on to talk about all of his experiences that he's had in the airsoft community. This guy is an OG, been around the block, done everything that there is to do, as well as commanded quite a few games outside of the games that he runs we have a pretty funny story that pops up and then at the end he uh he breaks a little question on me that uh, puts me on spot if you guys follow his page you already know what the question was and what my answer eventually was but uh, i don't want to ruin that for you guys moving on a little bit uh, we also talk about some of the other things brian's doing like apex training and um he does a World War II uh, reenactment style airsoft as well, which is incredible and something you really don't hear of a lot. And if you have and are wondering where you heard it, it's, it's probably whatever it is that he's running. Um, and we get into some pretty uh, deep details on that. So at the end of all this, I hope what you take away from it is that uh, this Angry Loner Ranch field isn't this impossible to get cool guy field it's really a very inviting place ran by some very inviting people that care about the community and want to see a little bit of life um kind of breathed in is breathe a word breathe brothed anyways no i want to i want to try and get some new blood in there uh so I'll make sure to have all of his information to everything that he's running in the comment section down below or wherever you listen to this um, in the in the bio for anybody listening on Spotify. But moving on from that, Rain is going through a really big transitionary period right now. Um, I've kind of been holding off on posting content right now because I didn't exactly know what was going on. And at this point, I'm not ready to say exactly what it is that's happening uh, but it's it's big moves there's big moves coming on every player on the team is jacked about what's about to go on so you're going to by the time you're listening to this it's probably already going to be spoiled for you on instagram and whatnot because it will be 
uh, fully announced within this week, but uh, I'm just not prepared to to drop the news yet. But there's going to be some major changes coming to the Milsim season this year in Ontario. Um, Rain's going to be getting involved in some big things, and I, I just can't wait to be part of the the next step that uh, that our teams committed to. So keep an eye out for that. And I just wanted all of you to know that you have been amazing listeners, uh, really loving the love, the support. Um, it, it's weird. I don't know if the the people that were trolling sometimes just got bored because I, I've stopped getting any sort of trolling comments. Usually everything's very productive. And if it's um, constructive criticism, it's very constructive and not even criticism. So I don't know where my trolls are at, but please, please do come back. Um, but anyways, guys, love you all. Pay attention to the Rain Instagram right now. There was a change in it. It used to be Rain underscore no compromise. Now it's just Rain underscore tactical underscore airsoft underscore podcast. Um, it is going to be completely designed around this podcast to bring the most up to date information to all you guys. Uh, I was getting kind of bored, uh, kind of tired of posting the same thing in like four different, five different spots sometimes. So. If you're looking for content uh, and what's going on in the show, usually I'll post uh, who's going to be on when and, and in the future. Um, unfortunately, this time um, I was, you know, I was taking a, a few weeks off, enjoying that cottage life. Like I was saying earlier, with my time off, that's why I've been so busy um, getting a lot of work. What if I told you that I was processing this to post it online? I thought everything was great. I had listened through and I said, wow, this is a really good podcast. And then I realized last minute, holy shit, I didn't save my sponsors. And I would definitely not be doing my part of all these deals if I didn't talk about my amazing sponsors of this show. So if this seems a little out of place, it's because this wasn't here originally. Super transparent here on this show. But the big daddy sponsor of this show since day one Black Cell Promotions. These guys have been an amazing sponsor. You hear me talk and rave about them all the time. Go ahead and check them out if you're not already on Instagram. Their links will be in the comment section down below or in the bio, depending on where you're listening to this. They're hosting one of my favorite games of the year on the August long weekend. Narco State, it's been notorious my my party weekend, um, but... I really hope to see you guys there and at all the Black Cell games this year. They're they're pumping out a huge amount of games and they they don't sacrifice quality for quantity. They're they're pumping out games that are all different and special in their own way and provide different experiences and are very new player friendly. So the overall tone of this show about um, explaining how easy it is to get into things uh it it really goes along with the mentality of a black cell game their their games are so inviting great people and amazing leadership on that team so go ahead and check them out now we've got two brand new sponsors to this show one is a buddy of mine that has been um in the airsoft community with me for a, quite a long time created his own team and has now moved on to creating his own teching business it's my buddy dan over at helius customs 
you can check him out on FB under that Hellius Customs. I'll be posting that down below. But you can find him at Hellboy underscore Tech on Instagram. This guy is doing quality work. Um, he really puts a lot of effort into maintaining a high standard of quality with the work he does. You're never going to get a gun fixed and bring it home and have someone else tear it apart and realize that there's some janky shit going on inside your gun just to get it firing, to get it out of a store. This guy's doing this as a pro... Um, a passion project and he if you've seen if you ever see his personal collection you just know this guy's all about quality so he'll be sponsoring the show from now on um really good to get a tech for myself on board because i don't understand anything about what goes on inside uh, guns so it's always good to have a nice reliable tech and um if you trust my opinion at all you're gonna have to go ahead and get a hold of this guy next time you need a project done but here's the biggest sponsor of today's show. Not the biggest in general. Black Cell will always be the big daddy sponsor of the show. But we have a new team came on as a sponsor. These guys are arguably the top game host in Ontario. It's Force Recon. Um, these guys have been amazing supporters of the show for the longest time. We've been doing a lot of planning, a lot of projects to do together. And we're moving into rain hosting an official kegger at nightfall this year and stuff and we're working on some other secret things that are going on right now but uh, i just want to let everyone know everyone listening already knows who force recon is but go check them out on instagram and can't wait to see all you guys out at nightfall i'll be going around doing some podcast interviews um getting some in the field action try and get a um uh, a perspective from both commands so that way after the game you guys can hear what goes on throughout a game and kind of the planning process behind it um i hope both commands will be comfortable with that um and not just think that it's it's to give information to one side or not but uh hopefully we'll have a good show out of that for you and they're also going to be running daybreak this year i believe um i know there's been a lot of change dates i don't i don't know for sure about daybreak or not they're probably should have asked that before I came to talk to you guys, but I just wouldn't have felt right if I launched this podcast without telling you guys all about the awesome sponsors of this show. So thanks guys and tune on back in and I hope I, I hope I splice this in, in a good spot. It'd be funny if I just don't. Our, uh, our family cottage. So I, uh, but I'm back. I got shows lined up. I'm actually depending on when you're listening to this uh, i'm actually recording another episode right after this so putting in the work for you guys because you guys are being so awesome at listening tuning in and sending me all your love and support so thanks guys let's get into it all right buddy thanks for coming on the show uh we have an amazing mutual friend michael bright who put us in contact and i couldn't be happier how's about you explain yourself for the uh, audience buddy well, okay, so I've been involved in the airsoft community in Ontario for since 2005. I uh, founded uh, Toronto Tactical Action Close Combat College uh, at around that time, which was a close quarter combat uh, training facility in the city of Toronto, now closed, obviously, because of COVID. Um, also ran a couple of fields um, uh, over the years, uh, FTF in Acton, and uh, FTF2 in uh, Clarington, and now the Angry Loner Ranch in uh, in Prince Edward County. 
and uh, been involved also in uh, World War II reenacting uh, in uh, using airsoft and also blank fire. And now uh, recently uh, started up with Apex Training Group, uh, doing uh, uh, basically all kinds of training for airsoft purposes. And I also founded and ran the Toronto Airsoft uh, uh, Convention for a few years. This so this is a lot to decompress, and I'm very thankful to have such an experienced member of the community on the show because, and I know you'll have a lot to say on it, the overall community has definitely changed over the years, and I really wanted to get you on and pick your brain, uh, but a different, com- different couple, as- um, I can't talk, uh, different co- couple aspects of the Airsoft community that has changed a lot since the years that you first started playing. Um, when you were sending me some of the information and the stuff you were involved in, it's quite impressive. The resume of just cool airsoft shit that you've done, completed, and are currently doing, um, apex, especially, uh, I was supposed to be involved in that. I believe it was right before the, all the COVID craziness first originally hit, you were doing some sort of close com, uh, close protection course. I think it was. Well, we, we'd started out uh, offering some basic uh, shooting packages in close combat uh, training, uh, mostly out of siege. Mm. And we did uh, a shooting package out at Devil Dog as well, uh, just, uh, you know, as the, as the pandemic kind of broke out. Mm. Um, and we've uh, invested also out at Angry Loner Ranch in, in the facilities there to build uh, uh, quite an extensive uh, shoot house out there as well. So we're we're ready to ready to uh, to launch. Uh, really, you know, Apex. We really stood it up just as the pandemic uh, hit, and mm. so things things kind of got delayed. But now I think things are going to start opening up again, and we're starting to line up training as, again. Yeah, definitely. It looks like hopefully this is the time that uh, things finally start to reopen, and especially with the kinds of things that you're doing with Apex one on it's smaller groups. So it's a little bit easier to uh, host and run. Now, one question I did have about that is how much pushback have you found from airsoft players, not wanting to experience real training and especially pay money to have that experience? Well, that's something that I've uh, experience for a long time ever since i founded uh, toronto tactical action close combat college it was always that kind of issue you know we had uh, kind of an even split in that facility between um close combat games and training and uh a lot a lot of people were interested in the games um but became interested in the training uh, because they got tired of getting their asses handed to them by people who did train mm-hmm. So anyone who um, who poo-poo's training uh, that it's not necessary, um, uh, they haven't experienced uh, being on the other end of people that have uh, had training because, you know, airsoft is a game, but it's a suite of skills that can be learned and there's a science uh, and art to it as well. And uh, if you invest the time and energy uh, and obviously some money into achieving that, training then you can have uh, effects in your ability to be competitive far beyond what somebody who hasn't trained um, can achieve so sure you get the naysayers are like that uh you you know they're the the guys that uh that will 
that will laugh at, at the at the people that are are ser- too serious and it's just a just a game bro right and mm. uh, all of those guys but eventually um i find that uh, most airsofters go through a life cycle in which they're into it for the fun and they start to become more serious maybe they join a team and then they're trying to be competitive and they start to bump up into the limits of their skills mm-hmm. uh, as they become more involved. Um, uh, it's mostly the, that group of people that make it past the, the two and a half to four year airsofter life st- lifespan, mm-hmm. right? Most people get into it, they last two and a half to four years and then they drop out. But there's a section of, of people that, that, they integrate this this pastime into their in, into their lifestyle, mm-hmm. and they're serious about it, and they want to get good at it. Uh, those are the people that are that are that are interested in training, and they're not afraid to pay for it because uh, they want the skills. And um, you can try to reinvent the wheel yourself, but that's not very efficient. And no. you don't if you don't know what you don't know, then you can end up training things that are of no use to you. So. So there's a small section uh, and, you know, growing section of the, of the airsoft community that is interested in training. And there's always going to be those people who, who think it's a waste of time and money. But those people will probably be out of the community in two years, right? Because they'll, they'll, they'll reach the limit of their ability and they'll keep getting um, slaughtered. And uh, and eventually they'll just kind of wander away and leave, or they'll they'll move into a different section of it. You know, there's airsoft as a activity. It's very broad. There's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of, of things you can do. Yeah, there's a lot airsoft. of different aspects to it, right? Uh, you know, there's the there's the you know the weekend backyard skirmishers and mm-hmm. and uh, and all of those people, and then there's there's people that that approach it um, a little bit more seriously, and so. Our focus is really to bring uh, training to people that uh, that want it, and uh, and there's enough people in the community that want it that we don't need to be too worried about the people that don't. Yeah, exactly. And there's, I've been on the receiving end of a couple teams that have been uh, involved with your training, been heavily involved with uh, Blackline, which is actually how I heard originally about Apex. Um, and the two of those kind of go very hand in hand when it, when it starts coming to the more serious side of using airsoft as a, um, as a training tool, and uh, more than just, just a game. Like a lot of us start playing it for, um, when you start playing airsoft, at least for a large majority of us, and especially in my generation, it's, you've played a lot of video games, watch some movies and you want to go out and basically play call of duty out in a field. But eventually that kind of gets starts to get tiring, especially when you're coming up against guys that have been trained and know what they're doing. And then you want to eventually evolve past that. And that's when you start to get involved with things like Apex training. Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, you know, there's the guys that go out every weekend. And, well, I've, I've experienced this directly with uh, going out to games and stuff um, for people that have been involved in the community for a long time. They, they, you know, they're 10 years into their airsoft mm. uh, experience, but they've been doing it wrong for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yep. and, and they think that experience is worth something. It's like, well, 10 years of doing it wrong doesn't count for anything. Oh, absolutely. When, when I can take somebody that's, that's a year and a half in 
and and train them to the point where they can exceed your abilities substantially. Oh yeah. So you know, and uh, how I try and yeah, and how I try and explain to some people. Uh, so personally, I haven't had a chance to get involved in Apex yet um, or any of the real more serious games. I've always been incredibly tempted, but especially in the last. I guess two years now, we just haven't been able to. And before Mm. that, um, some of my goals on what I was trying to accomplish in the community were more media based things, you know, kind of growing this, doing that aspect of airsoft. But personally now I am in the mindset of wanting to get involved in this aspect, but how I try and explain it to players that I hear talk down about having, you know, airsoft training and stuff. It's no different than going to a golf lesson or going, you know, getting coached at an actual sport. Like I'm a rugby player myself. So for me, I hold a lot of value in going somewhere to get trained on something, even though it's just a game, because the better you are at the game you want to play, the more fun you're going to have. And the return on investment is infinite if you're having more fun playing. No, absolutely. So, you know, everybody uh, talks uh, about airsoft as a sport, and uh, but they don't, they don't want to actually engage as a sport because mm-hmm. sport means that there's training, there's optimization of body, mind, and tools, mm-hmm. right, to, to achieve the best outcomes you can. So you can't say it's a sport and then and then kind of look down on people who take it seriously enough to yeah, get exactly. training in that sport exactly. right so either it's a sport or it's not if it's not a sport yeah if it's just a pastime that doesn't matter and nobody cares about then then what what purpose has training got yeah. but but it isn't it's far more than that and you know airsoft as a pastime has has you know i've seen it I've been in this long enough and and seen enough young guys come in and through to see it how it changes people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, might sound you know like an extrapolation or or an exaggeration, but it's not. I've seen young guys with low self-esteem and low confidence come in and and you know just start to realize their potential and realize that they have far more to contribute than they thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, see uh, see people turn into leaders and become leaders before mm-hmm. my very eyes, right? So, you know, that's powerful. And that's what keeps me in this community for so long. Absolutely. And that, uh, from the outside, sometimes the community overall can seem relatively daunting. But as you get involved with it, you really do realize that almost everyone in the community is a great person. Everyone's there to help everyone. Everyone's there to see people succeed. And when you, like you said, you have people come in with low self-confidence and then realize that they're becoming part of a team, having opportunities in a social group that they haven't had before. It's just incredible to see. And that sort of thing isn't exactly the experience you would get if you just go and play walk on airsoft randomly and don't, you know, I get it. Oh, you, you don't get that at all in in the you know the walk on kind of experience where you're going in as a, one or two guys and kind of hooking up with some other people mm-hmm. that you don't really know. You know, realistically, the real power in this uh, pastime is in the community and in in the relationships that you build over time and and in team environments and and collaborating with other people to achieve, to achieve uh, what you want. Mm-hmm. So, you know, certainly the foot in the door is that walk on player. 
mm. that you know and out of those those you know 100 walk-on players that go buy themselves a, a gun and a, and, a, and some cheap repro gear and come out to play you know 10% of those guys are going to still be in the game four years later and 10% of that 10% will still be in six years later. Mm -hmm. And really it's those, you know, two or 3% of the, of the players who are, who take this on and, and really do perceive it as a sport and everything that that entails because sport is, is, is extremely important in, mm -hmm. in self actualization. So, you know, there's those small group of people that are really the, the people that, that, that reap the benefits mm -hmm. and everybody wants that when they come in, like all of everybody that comes in and starts to play airsoft, they want something out of it or they wouldn't be there. Oh, absolutely. And, and some of them find it and some of them don't, maybe it's not their thing. It turns out to not be their thing and that's fine too. Mm -hmm. Right. But, uh, for the people that it is their thing, well, you know, you can go as deep down this rabbit hole as you want, yeah, right? You can go, <laughs> Yeah, it does. It gets deep, you know. You, know, you can end up, you know, zip-tied in the back of a van being waterboarded if you like, right? So, you know, that stuff happens, it's, yeah. you know, in the context of Airsoft. It certainly does. So, uh, if you're into that sort of thing, most people are into hey, the other side of that. But hey, no, no kink shaming here. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. You know, it's like whatever your thing is. Whatever you know? it is. So... You know that that's the thing that keeps me excited about this is that just when I think that I've seen as far as it can go, it goes further. Mm -hmm. And when you look at at something like uh, Blackline, that the kind of stuff that they're doing is, you know, they're pushing the edges of what airsoft is, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know what it can be. And and there's a small group of, of of people in the community that are willing to go there. And they're willing to allocate the necessary resources to have those experiences. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, it's like any hobby you can, you can, you can get as deep into it as you want. You know, if you want to, if you take up darts, you know, you could have gold plated darts and spend thousands of dollars and go to yeah. tournaments all over the world. Right. And spend, you know, all of your resources on playing darts. Well, it's no different in airsoft, right? No. You can you can do the same thing. That's every, no matter what you choose your hobby to be, everything's a money pit in some sort of way. But the one thing I really find um, interesting about things like your your training programs and and the uh, black line events and stuff is the return on your actual financial investment and the the knowledge you learn helps you do more in the actual community and in those fields that you're trying to participate in like the black line events you can't participate in certain events unless you've been trained uh at in certain roles which allows basically the actual event hosts to keep out people that are going to shrug it off and not pay attention to their actual roles and keep the entire event filled with people that want to be there to play the game and and really really drive the spirit of what everyone's trying to accomplish. Absolutely. It's, a, you know, the, the basic motto of Blackline in particular is mission focus, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about you. It's not about the guy next to you. It's about what we're here to do. And, and that's a very important lesson that to think that the things that you learn in these experiences don't reverberate through your life, then you're, you're fooling yourself, right? Mm -hmm. you, you know, the kinds of skills and experiences that you can develop and the confidence that it brings from a job well done and an objective achieved, 
well, you know, when you go to, go to work on Monday mm-hmm. and, you know, the, your boss is on your tail, well, I guarantee you that's not as stressful as having somebody shooting at you, even if it is just plastic BBs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to try and explain the actual stress levels that get experienced um, in, you know, it, we are all out there playing fake guns, but the, the simulation of what we're doing it is creating real feelings. Obviously not to the same extent that, you know, the real situation would, but we're experiencing as much as emotion in these events as we possibly could, right? Well, sure. And that's, you know, that's a big element of element of uh, game design as well, mm. right? Which is something that, that, you know, I've been doing for a long time too, is designing events and games that that create the experience that people are looking for. And the funny thing is, is most of the guys don't even know, most of the people that are involved, because there's lots of women involved in Airsoft as well, most of the people involved don't even know exactly what it is that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. They're looking for an experience. They're not looking to rack up kills. They're not looking to, you know, spend their day walking back from spawn. They're, Mm -hmm. They're looking for an experience. A, a memory, uh, uh, an experience of pushing themselves further than they thought they could. Oh, exactly. And, you know, good game design provides that. And um, you know, sadly, uh, you know, in the community, there's lots of bad game design. Mm-hmm. And the people are end up dissatisfied. And, and they, they can't even articulate exactly why they're dissatisfied. But at, at the end of the day, people that are engaged in these activities are looking for that stressful experience that causes them to solve problems and push themselves further. Oh, exactly. and, and if a game doesn't provide that, then it's not a good game. Yeah, and the, uh, you know, the, the very basic of the very basics of friendship is shared experience and something that's even better for growth as you know buddies is shared shitty experiences and sitting out in the cold all night with your buddies where it's just you're both experiencing something that sucks but you're doing it because you love it makes such a better memory than saying oh i went to some walk-on game and killed 12 year olds for four hours like you you you're enjoying this experience. You're you're having what you want, but something that kind of segues in when you're talking about you being a game designer and creating uh, different experiences for people. You host what I've heard is the hardest airsoft game of the year called Deadfall. Explain this yes. game to me because I have been tempted into it many times by. Um, uh, Mike Deschamps and uh, my buddy Tony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they've been trying to talk me into it for years, and at at this point, I hadn't really invested in Cold Gear enough to feel confident in it. And every year, they're like, "Mitch, we've seen you completely naked in the middle of the winter outside. You're going to be fine. Like, just come play the game." And I've always like, I can openly admit, I have bitched out. Um, it's very nerve wracking to see the quality of players that are going to deadfall and just see how prepared a lot of these players are. But then I hear the stories of camaraderie and I really want to get involved, but I was hoping you could light shed a little bit of light on what the actual entry level of a game like this is and also what the game is. So it's a, it's a good question. So deadfall was, so this year will be our 14th deadfall wild and 
and uh, it's it's a continuing story arc that has that started back that time, and and each each uh, year that we do the event, it 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 extends the story a little bit further. And this is all documented. It's all available. You can read it um, uh, on the the Deadfall uh, event page. You can read the the story and how it all works. And the interesting thing about Deadfall is is it it, it all it, it wasn't always the way that it was that it is today. When it started, it was you know a twenty twenty four hour milsim, and it was done in fair weather, and and it, it was easy. For for almost anyone to do it. But as the community has matured and developed, I've created and and moved the game, the goalposts mm-hmm. a little bit further all the time to make it to what it is today, which is um, a, uh, you know, the biggest enemy at Darefall, Deadfall is actually the environment, not the enemy, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's making it through that, you know, 36 hours uh, in November, and we know what it's like in November in Ontario. It can yep. be nice, it can be terrible, or it can be both nice and terrible within within two hours. Very confusing temperatures <laughs> in northern Ontario. Yes. So, in addition to that, the uh, the rules of engagement are are um, are uh, well defined, and and also it is a no essentially a no respawn game. So it's a one life game. Mm. So when you go in. Um, if you are killed and and or shot, you are wounded, and if you're not extracted by your teammates and brought to an aid station with it, you know, at some point, then there is no path back into the game. Okay. Uh, if you're if you're killed and you're tired of sitting there and you walk out, you're out. In addition to that, if you are captured by the enemy, you're out. No okay. way back in if you are captured. So, so the, it's a high stakes game. So mistakes are 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 severely punished. Okay. So the most extreme circumstance that we've had of that is is a fellow who was conducting uh, offsite intelligence on the form up position of the enemy force, which was not on the field. It was in another position, uh, form up position. The intel had leaked as to where they were forming up, and he'd gone to do some in, do some intelligence gathering of their form up location, which was literally, I don't know, twenty five kilometers away in mm. another site. And he got caught. He got caught, and he spent the entire weekend with a sandbag over his head, zip tied to a chair. There you go. So, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't, well, he got to play, but not in the role that he figured. <laughs> yeah, he, it was, and that's, yeah. that's kind of what you're signing up for when you're doing that. These, these guys that are signing up for this expect that sort of risk, that, that inherent, um, I don't know, fear that the whole thing could be ruined for you adds, adds a level of, you know, you, it's not just like, oh, I can go do this stupid thing and then just walk back in. It won't be a big deal. Um, which which adds that adrenaline of it. Yeah, for sure. It makes for um, everything has to be planned. Everything has to be uh, properly calculated. Reconnaissance is critical. If you make a mistake at any time, it could result in the loss uh, of personnel and then your resources. Then and, reduced. So the ability to achieve your objective is, is instantly yeah, gone. And- also, just for the community that's listening, um, 
obviously, I, I've heard lots of stories about Deadfall, but I just want to clarify that even though you hear stories of someone has a sandbag over the head, like zip tied chair, safety is paramount at these events. No one's. Oh yeah, he being could have forced... said, "I want out any time." Yeah, no <laughs> yeah. one, no one's being forced you know, to go past the their this own. Guy, this guy, this guy agreed. That, oh yeah. Okay, I screwed up. This is my penance. This is mm-hmm. what I get to do. They all they they, yeah. they let a you know, go to the bathroom and stuff, yeah. right? So but for like, these it's players, not like, it's not like you're doing anything that isn't isn't your consent. Yeah, yeah. So but, it's full consent, but you know, some of the degree of that is when you come into the game and you and you decide to participate, then then you're giving consent. But you can tap out any time. You can say, yeah. "Okay, I'm done. I'm out." Yeah, and and you're out of the game, right? Yeah, and, and that's... That, that happens with people as well. Like uh, Deadfall two years ago, we you know, um, or Deadfall. Yeah, two years ago, I guess it was. We had some guys that come in, and uh, they didn't make it past the infill, right? Hmm. They got halfway in, and they said, this is too hard, and seven guys just packed up their stuff and left. That's hard at an event like that. They didn't have the appropriate equipment. Yeah, your numbers aren't very big to begin with, right? The numbers aren't large. Mm -hmm. And so that is No, it's usually about platoon-sized on a side, yeah, Mm -hmm. generally. It's about what it is. It's about 60 people or so is usually who comes out. So 30 on 30, essentially, is how it works out, more or less. So, yeah, that was a big problem for that particular side because they had seven guys just pack it in 45 minutes into the event. Um, And uh, they just just couldn't, couldn't do it. I believe that is the first game that I got a call from Mike and Tony being like, we had guys drop out. We need guys. Can you get here? And I was just like, I do not have the cold gear required to play this game right now. <laughs> um, I almost did it, though. They, they were tempting well, me. but They were tempting you. So the other thing about how that game works is, is I'm, as the game organizer, I'm not at all involved in who shows up mm. uh two de- two commanders are designated they recruit their forces and they deploy their forces mm-hmm. the only thing that i set the buffet uh, set the table and they they eat the buffet mm-hmm. so so you know um, everybody knows the date and those force commanders some of them are are training their guys now mm. right? getting ready for deadfall um, so that training is happening and happens year long. Um, so that's the, how I created it. It's like, there's two force commanders, they recruit their force. They're in a hundred percent control of it. I create the conditions and they deal with that problem and solve it. Okay. So, um, and anyone who decides that they're done, they're out. Oh, so there's, when it comes to sign up for deadfall, like the commanders get to actually choose who comes and plays with them. It's not just like an open sign up. That's right. Okay, which makes perfect sense. It's not an open sign up. They the commanders recruit their forces. Yeah, and so I... this also allows uh, allows them to vet people and make sure that they're ready. And mm-hmm. that's what the training is also for. You know, the pre deadfall training is is to make sure that you get your guys ready to go. Absolutely. Um, and. Uh, it's it, so it's a little bit different. Everybody thinks that Deadfall is a game that happens in in November. Deadfall is something that happens all year, mm-hmm. right? It's just the deployment and the actual event is over over three days in November. Yeah, but it's it's actually happening now, 
Hmm. There so. you go. Yeah, that's I've heard nothing but good things about Deadfall. And the only bad things I've heard are like good stories that are, you know, the less than desirable circumstances for players, but they're they're things that make the experience better. Um and the thing with that group of guys that go out to a game like this is all the players are trying to make the game what it can be. Um, so when you have a group of like-minded individuals all playing the same game and you host it in a sort of way that weeds out the, you know, the guys that are just out there to run around and, and basically play Call of Duty, and when you weed them out, you really get a very procured style tailored event for these guys. So, yeah, it works out that way. You know, I certainly don't intend to to weed anybody out. Anyone who thinks that they have the ability to do it has that they have the equipment and they have the desire is welcome to come. Um, and they just have to, you know, get recruited, convince mm-hmm. the commander of that faction that they're they're good to go. Wow. And and you know, what skills can they bring to the table? What equipment can they bring to the table? What what are they bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. And you know. The the NFA commander in particular uh, makes an effort to bring new new people in that have never experienced Milsim at all before. Oh, wow. There's a couple of them at every deadfall, hmm. and and it's amazing, you know, how those the, the idea there there is to create immediate conversions. Yeah, right to people who are into that'd be one Milsim hell of a way to start. Once you've done that and gone like exactly, it's like I made it, I did it. It was it was awesome. It was terrible and good all at the same time, and uh, and also everybody that's on that's there is there to help those people get through. Absolutely, no one's alone. Right? Everyone is working in the team, and and if somebody is suffering difficulties, then everybody pulls together to help them through, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, they need everybody. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no weak links that that get left behind everybody gets gets helped to get through and and that's i think the most uh interesting thing for me from from deadfall is seeing those people who come in with trepidation and leave uh victorious right the, uh, nobody at the end of the day nobody cares who wins everybody's yeah. just happy they made it through just made it out <laughs> yeah it's it's more of the the yeah. after tales like like you said that Nightfall's not, or sorry, not Nightfall, um, Deadfall is not just one event that lasts all year. It's like, well, those stories that you get to tell last for years and years and blow any other airsoft stories out of the water. Um, and like you had said, but no weak links kind of get left behind. That in itself creates an experience for those advanced players that are now in a situation where they have to help a less experienced player or an injured player get off the field. And by injured, I just mean like the like game mechanically injured, um, get uh, them off yeah. the field. And it, it all of a sudden now your experience isn't just getting into gunfight. It's, it's an extraction style mission. And especially talking to you about it. Uh, I wanted to ask a little bit more about sign up. I know you had talked on Facebook that you were looking for a commander. Um, are both sides filled now? How's that working? Um, no, they're not. Uh, so I've got the NFA commander. The JOTF commander is still open. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if there's a team out there that that, uh, that wants to take on that and start to and build up a, that that faction, it, you know, I need somebody that wants to take on that challenge. It's, um, 
it is a challenge. There's no doubt about that. But but anyone who wants to take that on, mm-hmm. um, uh, they're welcome welcome to contact me. I, I think maybe you know some of the issue is that that uh, in the community there might be this feeling that the game is somewhat slanted in favor of of the NFA, but that's not the case. Um, the both factions have equal opportunity to achieve their objectives, and uh, I work very diligently to to achieve game balance uh, so that no one is is um, or no one's set up to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's completely up. The conditions, uh, the victory conditions in that game are are managed such that if the right things are done in the right way, victory is assured. Mm. If the if things are not done in the right way, if you don't push it past where you think you can and make the things happen that need to happen in the time that they need to happen, then you won't get the outcome that you want. Mm-hmm. So it's the side it's the side that achieves cohesiveness and looks after their people and keeps everybody up and fight uh, and the, with the ability to fight. That's the side that usually wins. Yeah. Now, um, you know, over the years, uh, there's been lots of circumstances in which NFA has, has suffered serious losses and almost been obliterated numerous times. Uh, and the same is true for the other faction, the Joint Operations Task Force. So over the years, there's been a seesaw back and forth, back and forth, back and forth as to who who wins. You know, the one constant through whole of the 13 year, 14 years has been that the commander of the NFA has never been taken. Ooh. And so, yeah, and so been very close many times, but he's never been taken. And so this series will continue until the commander of the NFA is taken. If that mm. happens this year, then this will be the last deadfall. Oh. So if it doesn't happen this year, there'll be one next year then. <laughs> so, well, then. You know, I've been waiting for 13 years for somebody to capture this guy. <laughs> the only reason the game's going is because he won't get captured. <laughs> Basically, right? So, you know, it's a bit of a joke in that regard, but... Yeah. You know, I don't want it to end, but but uh, but also, you know, this insurgency has been ongoing for 14 years. It's maybe it's time for it to yeah, and to it's that's transform a great place. into something else. That's a great place to leave it to. If you're you're not just run having a game running on to have it run on, your game's not over because he hasn't been captured. So if it does get captured, it's over. On to bigger, better things. Yeah, well, um, the story has to end, right? Yeah. Uh, so far, it hasn't ended. And so if you're out there in the community and you think you have what it takes, uh, I'll have all of Brian's information for you to get a hold of him. Um, I'm going to be incredibly tempted to come up and play this year. This might be my first year that I give it a shot. Um, but it's a nice little break to ask you, what's your what's your drink of choice tonight? Well, I'm drinking an Italian red wine, mm, um, okay. which is what I normally end my day with. A couple glasses of red wine to finish off the day. And uh, so... Um, tonight it's it's uh volari uh Reposio. yeah i actually um, i didn't get into wine until this year i i've always been a beer drinker myself um and then could, could never really get into wine but my uh, girlfriend she's a very avid wine drinker all sorts of different kinds you know fancy different kinds and whatnot so i started getting into it this year and i, I could never go back i've been loving the red wines yeah, for me, uh, for the most part, uh, beer is is summer drink and mm-hmm. wine is 
wine is winter drink, but but uh, today it, it's, it was a kind of cool day today, cool so day. I'm, I'm into the wine. Yeah. I'm drinking the good old bush lattes right now, so cheers, <laughs> buddy. It's it's unfortunate that we got to do this over Discord, but uh, what are you gonna do, right? Salou, um, this is hopefully provided that all these COVID regulations open back up. Hopefully this will be one of the last podcasts I have to do over discord. I've been very fortunate, uh, being able to do this, uh, having quite a few guests with, uh, good resumes in the airsoft community, just like yourself being able to come on through discord. And a lot of people that I wouldn't have had a chance to have over to my place. Like I'm down in, um, down in Niagara. A lot of people aren't from the Niagara region. Like a lot of you guys are out, Prince Edward Island area, Kingston or Toronto. So it's been a good, it's been a good way to keep creating content through all the craziness that's been going on, but definitely not the, the way I enjoy to do this show, but yeah, it's been, you know, an entire year of chair softing and I'm tired of it and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm excited to get out of the field. So I'm going out to the ranch this weekend, in fact. So, uh, it, you know, I've moved up to Belleville in January. I was in Toronto for yeah. 20 years and uh, 20 plus years moved up to Belleville. So I'm, you know, 20 minutes away from Angry Loner Ranch now. So, okay. so I'm there. I'm there all the time. And is that... Sorry, is that your field or do you just help That's out? my property. That's it's your property, okay. Yeah, it's 185 acres uh, in northern part of uh, Prince Edward County. Okay. And uh, so it's mine. I can do what I want. I can I can have, I can do whatever I want there. I can roll tanks around there if I feel <laughs> like it, and we have. So, uh, so you know, whatever we want to do there, it's it's open season for whatever your heart's desire. Um. So I've personally never had a chance to be out to the field. Uh, there, there's been quite a few events that I've been invited to. Just timing, stuff like that hasn't worked out for me. Um, but explain the field to me a little bit. What's the general dynamic of it? Well, it's so uh, Prince Edward County is a large slab of limestone tipped out of Lake Ontario. Mm-hmm. So it's flat. There isn't a lot of relief. Um, particularly in the north end where I am, I'm basically at the extreme north end of that large piece of limestone tipped out of the out of the lake. So it's a tilted plain uh, at about two degrees towards the lake, and it's almost completely flat. Uh, soil is very shallow, 18 inches of dirt before you hit bedrock. So if you're thinking you're going to dig in, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> um, the so the the terrain there is a mixture of open scrubland and uh, and uh, mostly cedar forest with some some uh, oak uh, forest in the south end. Through the middle of the property goes uh, a hydro cut that bi- basically bisects the property west to east and creates an, an interesting dynamic. Basically, splits the property into two pieces: the north end and the south end. And um, uh, most of the people's experience at the ranch have been in the, in the north end. Um, not too many people get down into the south end uh, where the train is a little tighter if, unless you get into the oak forest area where it's quite open. So it's, uh, it's a field. It's a, it's a you know, woodland field. Now we have been building some infrastructure there. So we built the, the shoot house there last fall before lumber prices went crazy, thank yeah. God. But um, so that's about a 1,200 square foot uh, shoot house there. 
Um, and uh, we've used it a few times for training. It's excellent. There's uh, some infrastructure there as well, a couple of 52-foot uh, uh, trailers that have been set up. Uh, one end is a barracks, the other end is kind of like a command center um, and my quarters there. Um, so that sort of environment is there for a small team, like of uh, 10 people or so there's indoor accommodations if they want it, hmm. if they want to come out there for training and stuff. Um, lots of nice areas for camping, uh, in the, in the field as well. So there's, there's a lot of great opportunities there. The, the open ground is good for, for open ground kind of work. And then you've got the forested areas for, for greenside stuff. So, Although there isn't a lot of hills or topography, there's a lot of uh, you know dynamic terrain and and some trails and stuff that you can use. Uh, so it's it's been a great playground. Amazing! It's it's great to have such an invested member of the community running events like this on such a dynamic field like yours. Now there are some other really cool things that you're doing in airsoft that aren't just dead ball and your and apex. Tell me a little bit about the world war two side of airsoft. Yeah. So that's a interesting thing. Um, I've always been interested in, uh, world war two. Uh, I remember as a, you know, as a, as, as a child, uh, some of the first things that I first books that I read were world war two history books. So I don't know how I got that bug, but I've had it my whole life. Mm. And, um, so years ago now, um, there was a, a guy in the community called Lee Kasser, and he was really into World War II as well, and he, and he had this idea of doing World War II airsoft. Um, at the time, there weren't many um, guns that were available that were appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, since that time, basically lots of, anything you could possibly want is now available. But... Basis of, of World War II airsoft is mostly about the reenactment aspect of it. So we're trying to reenact um, the lives of soldiers of that time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know whether or not we're using airsoft guns. We also use uh, real firearms with blanks sometimes, uh, and sometimes we mix the two. Um, so that's an interesting dynamic. But um, what a, there's basically two sides to the to the World War II reenactment community. There's the blank fire side, in which the uh, real weapons with uh, blanks are used to to simulate the tactical aspects of battles, mm-hmm. and that's really interesting from a spectacle standpoint. The sound and fury and smells of of combat are all there, but it's theater because you're not mm-hmm. shooting anything, so there's no way to know if you're hit. Right, right. You, you basically decide when you're hit. Yeah, so I've the real event, how that worked. Uh, it's theater, right? Okay. So uh, the the protocol is if you're looking at a guy and he's looking at you and he's pointing a gun at you and you and he pulls the trigger before you do, then you should take that hit. Okay, um, that's basically the way it is. Um, the difference in using airsoft guns is that you're actually firing a projectile. So your your skills have to be real. You have to know what cover is. You have to bid to use it. You have to know what camouflage is. You have to bid to use it. And uh, you can actually develop the, the tactics and skills, uh, soldierly skills, to a high degree using airsoft guns. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a really interesting dynamic with respect to that. Now, for somebody who wants to get involved, the, the, the reality is that it's far more about the uh, reenactment of the lives than it is the battles, right? Mm-hmm. In, 
you know, any sold anybody who's had any experience in soldiering knows, uh, particularly if been if they've ever been deployed into an area where the possibility for battle exists, that ninety five percent of the soldier's life is boredom, hmm. routine, punctuated with five percent of terror, and and that's kind of what we try to achieve in in the World War II reenactment is is more about the routine of the soldier. And the the battle aspect of it is is something that happens uh, occasionally, right? It's more mm-hmm. about the camp routine, the the watch routine, the you know the using the equipment. We even have field phones and stuff that we string wire and and do all of those routines that a soldier would do. And then occasionally we get into vicious firefights with uh, our, our colleagues, uh, and uh, and we play out that aspect mm-hmm. of it. And in the, that context, uh, the airsoft guns are great for that. Um, you know, the, the ones that are available now, they look they look good, mm-hmm. they shoot pretty well, and they they allow you to have that kind of uh, visceral combat experience uh, that is absent from the blank fire aspect of it. So World War Two reenactment i i've heard a lot of but actual world war ii airsoft i know is incredibly niche um now and i have just for airsoft stores that i've been to in the past five six years really noticed a large uh large number of these world war ii guns popping up um but how how secluded is that area of airsoft right now like is it is it thriving is it neat in need of players Oh, it's always a need of players, right? It's just like anything uh, that the more the more people that are into it, the better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I run one of the largest, well, probably, yeah, probably the largest uh, World War II airsoft game in probably, well, in Canada. Uh, it's called uh, Operation Woodsman. We've been doing it for, I don't know, seven or eight years now. Uh, so the size of that event is about... 60, 60, 70 people. Oh, so wow. again, about a platoon, platoon on a side, more or less. Hmm. And um, you know, we have vehicles on the field. We have uh, anti-tank guns on the field. You know, we're moving these guns around, and 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 you know, it's, it's a whole simulation. Mm-hmm. It, you know, what's the closest? Well, it's 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 LARP. It's live action oh, yeah. role playing. It's absolutely LARP. Yeah. It absolutely is right. And you know, people don't like to say that, but but that's what it is. And you know I've done my share of LARPing over the years, so so you know I I know what it uh, what it is. And World War II reenactment is essentially LARP. You're taking you're taking the role of 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 a person in history, and and it could be a generic role, but still you're using the material culture, you're using the tech and the equipment, and you're engaging in that in that uh, simulation mm-hmm. and trying to make it as real as possible. Like people are trying to achieve that level of immersion it's exactly the same as an air a well a well-designed uh, modern airsoft game milsim you're looking for that degree of immersion that makes you feel like it's real no this is actually happening and this is real the difference is we're pushing it 75 years into the past right right now so. with a game like that where how do you like what's the cohesion in the game like what are the requirements for kit to be able to come play okay so very good question so the, the way that um world war ii reenacting is basically set up is that somebody who gets interested in doing this joins an existing unit 
and then uh, and then develops their it's just like joining a team if the team has a uniform then you comply with the uniform if the team says you're going to have this kind of kit then you define then you you comply with that that kind of arrangement in order to participate so it's there's units that that exist in Ontario uh, various units there's allied units there's American units there's Commonwealth units there's a number of different German units as well there's even a Japanese unit um, so so you you join a unit and you develop your your impression according to the standards of that unit and then when you deploy you deploy as a member of that unit and uh, so oftentimes you could have two or three different German units on the field. They, they'll, they'll likely operate under a cohesive command and the same thing on the, on the Allied side. So we put in place a, a chain of command and there's objectives and things that have to be done. So it isn't a free-for-all. It's not, you know, you don't walk on and decide you're going to be G.I. Joe and run around in the field on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how it works, right? You're, it's a military simulation. If anything, uh, World War II Airsoft is more hardcore of a military simulation than most uh, Airsoft military simulations mm-hmm. are. So, you know, anyone that wants to get involved, they're not going to be getting involved as an individual. They're going to be getting involved as a part of a unit. Yeah, which is just a really good way to to think about that. And I hope creates a a better mindset for people that might be listening to this. And I know lots of people that are very interested in the World War II aspect of maybe didn't know the avenues to get involved. So hopefully people listening to this will realize that there are opportunities out there. And especially... Oh, yeah. There's there's huge opportunities, right? It's... uh, looking for new new recruits into their units because obviously the bigger the unit is the more of a simulation instead of squad based stuff you can start doing platoon based stuff and mm-hmm. if you develop it up to the point you start doing company based stuff and you know there's there's vehicles you know you can do mounting and dismounting off of vehicles and stuff like all that stuff is possible in that community sounds like the and, wild west out there you just do whatever well, you want you do the coolest shit well, yeah, we can do whatever we want, right? So, so you know, and I said earlier that we've had tanks ripping around at, at the ranch, and, and we have had a tank ripping around out there. That's amazing. Right? So, so you know, people that are, if they have an inkling that they might be interested in World War II reenacting uh, using airsoft guns, and then also with the blank fire as well, then they should contact me because I can get them squared away and point them in the direction of, of a unit that's interested um, in, in having them. Uh, and one of the things, the reason why we use that unit uh, basis is is to help people to get involved because it's daunting, right? You, you know, where do you get the kit? What, you know, what do I need? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I find it? What are the sources? How do I wear it? Well, in the unit environment, everybody is brought in from the, you know from the ground floor and helped all the way through the process of getting kitted up and getting equipped and getting trained. Training is a big thing that we do. I got a training event coming up in July, finally, mm-hmm. uh, where we do unit training, basic tactics and field craft and, you know, how to live in the field in 1944, hmm. uh, because it's not like it is living in the field in 2021. I'll tell you that. You don't have your MREs and everything. Like that. <laughs> no, you don't. So, uh, you know, and that's another thing that we do. Like we have a field kitchen and we set up and we yeah. cook for the weekend and we bring food out to the guys in the field. And, you know, it's, it's a whole experience. And if anyone has a, you know, an interest, uh, hit me up. 
and uh, I can point you in the direction of, of units that are according to your interest. And I'll obviously be going out of my way to make sure every link that I can get from you, I'll be putting in the comments section down below or above or beside, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Uh, that's where this will be. Um, and the other yeah, thing, your, too- clear, your clearinghouse for that is is a Facebook group, uh, Ontario uh, World War II reenactors, and also Ontario Airsoft World War II reenactors on Facebook. So uh, you can find us there and uh, and you know start asking questions. You'll get answers. Exactly, and it's it's kind of it goes hand in hand with what we had started talking about with Apex and the different levels of play there, and now with World War II. Um, reenactments and a lot of people are probably going to think like why would you want to go out and live like it's 1942 stuff like that that's silly i want to go do this or that and when it really breaks down is that everyone that's playing this sport is going to have their own chance to find what they find enjoyable and they get to have their own experiences so there's really no point sending any sort of negativity towards any different part of airsoft just go out there play what you like to play and realize that if there's something you want to do chances are there's people out there in the community that also want to do it and are probably already doing it and i know well yeah that's uh, that's for sure like if you think if you have an interest that you're worried about sounds stupid or something it's like you know what there's already a group of people out there already doing oh, it <laughs> absolutely i can remember coming into airsoft as a new player i've only been playing for about six years now, I believe, just just over or just under six years, um, and it's daunting. You you come in and for the first couple of years of just doing walk-ons, all you hear is about how you know milsims are this big thing, and then you get into milsims and you're like, well, now there's this, now there's that, and it can be a rabbit hole that can can make it too. There could be too much for you to want to advance in your airsoft career at all, but you just got to know that there are people out there that want to help you along the process. The people that are doing these World War II things are doing these big events like Deadfall that are, you know, the the height of airsoft simulation. They want more people, so they're going to be as friendly as they can to get people out there. They're not being snobs and stuff like that. You really don't see that level of elitism at these events where you see that is in the lower tier events from people that aren't really doing cool shit. They just want to make people seem like they're doing better stuff than other people. Oh yeah. That's uh, it's the mid tier um, where you find all of the naysayers and all the, Oh, that's stupid. Why would you want to do that? Right. Mm-hmm. It's the guys have been in for a few years and they think that they uh, have got it all figured out. And uh, they're the guys who are setting up the. Those are the gatekeepers, right? Mm-hmm. It's certainly, it's certainly not the the people that are that are engaged in the, the more niche um, environments. That those are the guys that are the most welcoming because they want more people to do their thing. They don't mm-hmm. want to feel alone in their own, you know, perversion. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and one of the one of the best experiences I've had is. You, these players that are at this high tier level of airsoft, there there's no real gear elitism. They they have the mindset of function. Does it work? Doesn't matter about look pretty. Does your gun shoot straight? That's all that matters. Can you can it be used? The the players that you meet that are all about like oh you have to have this gear to be cool. You have to have this gun and all these stuff. Those are only mid tier players. You don't experience that once you branch off into the, these specialty areas of airsoft no not at all right and and you know i guess 
some of the experiences I had at uh, TAC three in Toronto was seeing guys come in geared to the to the gills, right? They got all this stuff, and then see them getting slammed out with some dude with a pistol and a hoodie with a magazine in his pocket. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and he's just taking them out left, right and center oh, because yeah. he's invested in skills. Mm-hmm. Whereas they've invested in appearance. Absolutely. Now, a couple other things I kind of want to break into, and I don't know if you actually remember me from it or if we talked that much, you were actually one of my first commanders at one of the first airsoft games I played. At um, oh, was at the college. What game did you command? Was it New Dawn or uh, Stronghold? No. Was there another one you oh, commanded there? There was. Yeah, it didn't um, go tr- very well. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, that I was on your. I, was, I know. I want to. I, I really want to get into it. Uh, but I'm uh, trying to remember what the game a, was. It wasn't. So New I think Dawn. that was Risk, wasn't it? Risk. risk? It was Risk Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Risk. So I got uh, asked to 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 command that, and it didn't go well because my approach didn't mesh with the fight with the players there. Yeah, and the... uh, like everybody was there for a skirmish, and I was there for a milsim, and uh, and it didn't go well at all. It's... <laughs> and you know what? Like personally. I, I've grown a lot in the community and got to see the evolution of like why things happened a certain way they did. And at the yeah. time, I, I personally say too, I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, what are we doing? Why aren't we out there shooting the enemy kind of thing? And But now I see it and understand that you're coming from a wildly different version of Airsoft being thrown into basically a, a group of people that just want to run in and shoot shit. And it was... Well, I, we lost that game within 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I'm, we lost the game when I showed up. <laughs> it was, so, uh, I, yeah, I do. It was, it, was a, it was a difficult experience, but I learned a lot there. And, uh, and, you know, it was, I still had some fun, um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, uh, it didn't go the way that I wanted because, uh, there was a lot of reasons uh, for that. Uh, some of it was I was more accustomed to to knowing the people that I'm going to be commanding better, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't really. And um, so I made a lot of mistakes uh, in that that game. I didn't adapt to the players well, and 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 uh, the outcome was pretty much assured, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, I don't. I don't feel bad about it. It's no. you know I had a good time. Any any day in the field's better than a day at work. Mm-hmm. So so in that regard, it was it was fine. But you know, it was a it was a humbling experience, I guess, because um, uh, I, I wasn't able to adapt to the player base that I was that I was there to lead, mm-hmm. and so uh, basically leadership failed. And that's that's on me, right? That's on me. So I don't have well, any problem with that. They don't. They can't all be golden, right? No, and that's I've spent uh my fair share of time in the last couple of years now getting into the command of games and stuff like that and that's that's an element that made me appreciate what had actually happened at that event more because uh that was only my second milsim ever and the first one i played was like a week before that um hmm. so i well, didn't have your know, risk wasn't a milsim that was the problem that yeah that was <laughs> so, that was a scrim i still to this day i think that 
some of the best experiences I had were at that college. I, I hate to see it gone, but um, yeah, the leadership style that came in didn't mesh with the player base, but it really made me want to express the community that one, you don't always have to win a Milsim. That's not exactly the point. You're going out there to experience something, but two, you have to have an understanding and an appreciation for the command that's being put there because there's a person coming in and, and choosing to help the game run rather than going out there and shoot shit too. And really for the most part, putting out their whole effort to try and make the experience better for you. Yeah. So just have, have an appreciation for the person doing it. Yeah, you know, my vision in that event was to spend a good portion of time conducting reconnaissance and finding out where the ways in were. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's basically how you deal with a, you know, a structure-based environment is you need to do a lot of reconnaissance and figure out how to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. and, but nobody wanted to do reconnaissance. They just no. wanted to run in and shoot shit. Um, and, and so... You know, we had uh, worked uh, substantially in, in trying to develop a, a battle plan that was going to result in the outcome that we wanted, which was investing in reconnaissance, gaining information, developing a plan, and then executing the plan. None of that was able to happen. No. So, uh, so in that regard, um, you know, when you essentially at a certain point, I, uh, I effectively lost control of my forces mm -hmm. because they just didn't want to do what I wanted to do. And one of the, the, the first rules of command is don't give an order that isn't going to be followed. Mm -hmm. And I think right? we're, so, sorry, I cut you off a bit there. I think where it all definitely fell apart for you wasn't necessarily any doing of you. It was the player base and it's where we had lost the buildings and it started to torrential downpour. So we're already being beaten. We're all, uh, and there was a good chunk of us that stayed out on the field and played the game the whole way through, but we lost a large chunk of players who weren't ready to experience um, airsoft. That isn't just running around playing. Like there, some of us were ready to sit down in the rain for a couple hours, but we had yeah, no control should have, buildings. Should have been clear to me uh, that, that, uh, I had a problem when I showed up in the command area and there was more barbecues than, than anything else. Right. So yeah. like, like people were there for a different reason than I was there. Yeah. So, but that's okay. Right. I, I still was, it was an experience and I've, and, and, you know, I've thought about that day a lot. Um, and, uh, about how that, you know, it's not the faults of the, it wasn't the fault of the players at all. Um, they'd come there to, to achieve something and they'd wanted a certain uh, experience and, and, but I wasn't delivering it. So, mm. you know, they're, they paid for it. So they yeah. get to do what they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you so, know what? I yeah. appreciate all your efforts. I've done quite a bit of my, uh, commanding now. I think I've done, I've commanded four different games. Uh, I've been lucky enough to win three of them. And the one I, I tied against, uh, Jamie Nardak, who is the, the owner of tag there. Um, which was a tag I took in, or uh, a tie I took in stride because one, he definitely should have dominated me. So taking a tie was good enough for me. But um, I, just... I, ne I never really worried about winning and losing games, mm -hmm. right? It's it's not really important because at the end of the day, um, players don't really remember who won or lost. They 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 remember the experience that they had, that firefight that they had, mm -hmm. the 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 experience they had with their buddies in that circumstance, and. And, 
you know, in, in situations in which I am in a position of command, uh, that's what I try to achieve is, is to give people the experience that they want. Mm-hmm. Win, lose, whatever, right? It's, it's the story that they had with their friend in the fight that they're going to remember two or three years later. They're not going to remember who won that game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? And kind of, especially talking about that, like you're talking about how important that friendship is and those stories among people. It's a great way or it's a great segue to start talking about the amazing work that you're doing with Airsoft in Canada. Tell me a little bit about what it is, what the point is, and what you're trying to achieve. Okay. Well, first, let me say that um, uh, lots of other guys are involved and they're doing a heck of a lot more work than I am. Uh, for the most part, um, you know, I chirp from the sides in that group. <laughs> And uh, sometimes I try to poke things a little bit uh, uh, back onto track. But the the people that are involved in addition to myself are, are a key group of people in this community. They're committed to preserving Airsoft uh, for the future, for all the people that haven't got involved yet, mm-hmm. um, that that uh, can have the experiences that we've had uh, in this pastime and, and the experience of personal growth. So, so I guess the, the key thing that we're doing in that, um, organization is to try to create a structure in which we have the ability to politically engage, Mm. um, and, uh, and, uh, present our issues and, and to present, uh, an organization which the government can consult with. Uh, one of the key issues that we've experienced to, um, in the airsoft community, and I've seen it go through a couple of, of ups and downs. Like when I first got involved, it was very much underground, and then the government kind of cl- clamped down on things, and we had the, the years of clearsoft. Um, and then the government clarified the regulations that allowed, uh, you know, full black uh, airsoft guns to be to be imported, provided that they exceeded 366 FPS. So, you know, I've experienced all of that, and uh, and now, you know, bar none, all of those threats, this this threat of C21 is uh, will kill airsoft if it's passed. Um, uh, there's no negotiation in that. Right. If we can't import the guns, then this thing isn't going to exist. You know, if they have to, you know, the, the airsoft market in Canada is very small. The, the producers of these things are not likely to cater to this market. Um, if they create some circumstances that result in them having to produce things specifically for the Canadian market, it's not likely to occur. So this is an existential threat for our community. And and there's quite a number of people um, that have recognized this existential threat early and, and started working on organizing mm-hmm. early. And um, the efforts have been substantial. It's all happening mostly behind the scenes. Like your your regular player out there isn't going to really know. Like it's it's amazing to me how many players don't know about C21. Mm-hmm. There's like they don't know. And, uh, you know, the most common question that we get at uh, Airsoft in Canada is, is Airsoft banned yet? Mm-mm. Right? You know, no. <laughs> There's <laughs> a little bit yet. more to it. <laughs> uh, no, it's not yet, but but it could be. And, and this is why it's important for everybody to get involved. And, and to, you know, this is, a, this is a watershed opportunity for this community to step out of the shadows, 
to take its place as a bona fide uh, legal pastime in this country and for for people to no longer hide uh, this thing that they do. And it's the only way it's going to survive. We thought in the past that, that the only reason, well, it was actually true that the only reason that Airsoft exists is because most people didn't know about it, mm. right? And that's obviously true from the standpoint of the government because they had no idea the size of the market and the number of people that are employed in this industry. Mm. Um, that's been made very clear to us that they, they had no idea that there was this was a $100 million industry in Canada and that there are thousands of businesses that are, are paying people's mortgages and putting kids through school mm-hmm. uh, on uh, through Airsoft. So, uh, and, you know, maybe that's that's a failing of this community that we that we didn't come out sooner but we always thought that it was probably best to remain you know more or less on the down low uh, there's not many good ways to present a, a, a game that results in the simulation of shooting human beings in a positive light that 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 you know that your mom would think that's a healthy thing for you mm-hmm. to do no, absolutely. <laughs> that's a reality right but notwithstanding that, uh, the fact is that a good m- number of the pastimes that people choose to do are, uh, in the cold light of day, wouldn't necessarily be deemed to be the most uh, positive thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, racing cars, um, you know, anything that involves risk, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, and the, the squandering of resources. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, so I think it's the work that we're trying to do is is to get the government to recognize this community, get the government to 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 see that this community represents zero threat to public safety, and that the items that we use in our chosen pastime represent zero threat to public safety, right. and uh, and should be and and should be you know moved from the kind of gray area that it is and made fully legal mm-hmm. so that the market can flourish and that people can can experience this uh, pastime the same as hundreds and thousands of other people in in Canada have over the years mm-hmm. so it's important work and you know I'm I'm happy to be involved in the manner that I am which is I would guess you would say it's principally advisory right mm-hmm. the the other guys uh, that are involved um are far more deep into the political action far more deep in the outreach action yeah. um you know i'm i'm happy to to be there and uh, you know i contribute occasionally uh to what's going on but mostly in uh, as a, in the context of advisory circumstances and I- so I have had a majority of the other members either on a podcast or ready or plan to be on in the future. Um, so it is just, it's incredible that the, you and these group of guys are going out of their way to basically try and safeguard this sport that we all know and love. Yeah. And you know, everybody's, uh, burning hours, like mm-hmm. serious hours. Some of the other guys are, are, are on it. Uh, every day like they're spending part of their every day Mm. on this work uh and and for me you know it's sometime every day involved in it but there's some of the other guys it's like hours every Mm. day um no one's getting paid there's no money for anybody in this right it's not about that it's it's about 
uh, saving this activity that we all love and and making sure that people in the future can enjoy it as we have. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really important work and, um, you know, uh, everybody needs to get on board. Uh, there's an opportunity here for a demographic that is not politically active to become politically active. You know, that 18 to 35-year-old male who basically doesn't care about anything other than what they're interested in the next 10 minutes mm-hmm. um, uh, needs to, to get engaged. <laughs> yeah, needs to get engaged in this and, and start to, to become informed. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't just about saving Airsoft, right? Um, the path to saving Airsoft is, is for this demographic to get politically active. Mm-hmm know the issues, not just the airsoft issues, but all of the issues that are important to this country. This is, you know, this is just the thin edge of the wedge, this kind of desire to, mm-hmm. to ban our toys. And, uh, you know, if we, if we cede that kind of power to the government to do that, what are they going to ban next? Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. So, so it isn't just about this. You know, maybe for many people it is about airsoft. But for me, it certainly isn't. It's mm-hmm. a bigger issue, right? A far, far bigger issue. And it's very well, important. Everything has, you know, a, a butterfly effect to it. Um, everything can lead to a different outcome in the end. And it, it's really up to all of us as players to do our part to try and, try and manifest the outcome that we all want and desire. Now, as a player in the community that's not directly connected to this group or anything, what what is being asked of the community by you guys to help do our part? Oh, it's a good question. Um, uh, share uh, stuff that we put out, information that we put out through Airsoft in Canada. Share it in your communities. Share it with your friends, right? Uh, because it's uh, this this is an information war mm-hmm. that we're embarking on. It's an information war, so. Uh, information needs to get out as to what's happening, what's going on, and what you can do. For the most part, you know, if you see um, a news article that is shared through that group, and there are comments, then you can you can share your own comments on that and present and sway opinions. A lot of people read comments, and it's important. Uh, it's also important to be articulate, and not to be reactionary. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you can't, you won't gain anything by calling people stupid. Right. Um, because the people who want to do these things, who want to ban airsoft, they're not stupid, but, but they certainly have an agenda. And so uh, in order to fight that agenda, information is the, is the fuel and activism is, is the action. Mm-hmm. So share what Airsoft in Canada puts out. Share that amongst your friends. If you see a uh, if a petition is posted up, um, then enter, you know, participate in that petition. Mm-hmm. Probably the most important thing, and this is what's going to be coming because there'll be an election in this country at some point um, in the near future. Probably, uh, you know, spring. Uh, probably in the fall. Realistically, in the fall. And getting involved in your local um, community with respect to to the uh, political uh, members that want to seek election, um, getting involved, finding out who is in your riding, and learning about the issues. Um, I, don't, I don't like to present any sort of partisan circumstances, but the reality is the only way that we keep airsoft in this country is that the liberals don't get reelected. 
the only way. If they get, you know, C21 probably won't survive. It'll probably die on the order paper uh, when they go to an election. They've already, it seems clear that they, they've kind of set it aside for now. They're focused on other things in this current political, uh, current parliament session, mm-hmm. which will close the middle of next, well, a little later this month, in fact. So there's probably not time for the bill to get passed or even into committee uh, before the session closes. So when they bring open the session in the fall and in, in mid-September, we're probably going to be heading to an election in October. Mm-hmm. So that'll likely kill the bill, but it won't kill the threat. Because if the Liberals get reelected, particularly if they get reelected into a majority position, Microsoft is dead. Mm. We'll stop. They will kill it. Um, they've made it clear that they don't really care that they didn't didn't co- that they didn't consult anybody. They're not interested in consulting. What they're interested in doing is virtue signaling that they're trying to save the public by mm-hmm. banning toys. Yeah, exactly. So, so the reality is that that um, what can you do as a person who's over the age of eighteen? Can vote. Do your, Get do out your there part. and vote. And God damn it, people, stop taking your airsoft guns in public. Well, that too, you know, like, but you can't legislate stupid and neither can you prevent it because mm-hmm. um, there are people that, that don't think about the outcomes of their actions. Um, you know, I'll tell a story about that at, at the last Toronto Airsoft Convention that we did at the Fighting Arts Collective. And uh, so everybody was there. The room was full, and then and then suddenly about forty five cops showed up. Oh boy! Because some guy was walking down the street towards the convention with an AR fifteen, not in a case, just walking down the street with it, heading towards the convention. He wa- it was broken, and he wanted somebody to help him fix it. And it, you know, he heard about the convention. He's walking down the street. I'm not kidding you. Forty five cops showed up. You know, they they arrested this guy. Well, okay, they detained him, took his gun away, and then let him go. But yeah. uh, they didn't arrest him. Yeah. yeah. But and and a good number of the cops hung out and and uh, checked out all the stuff. And <laughs> so so, but you know that kind of thought process where somebody, you know, leaves their home mm-hmm. with something that looks like a gun and head, they're like, well, I know it's a toy. No one else does. Exactly. No one else does. Right. How? Uh, what degree of self-centeredness do you have to experience that you do not consider the perceptions of anyone else on the planet in your mm-hmm. behavior? Like, how self-centered can you be mm-hmm. that that is is that what you do? Like, it makes no sense to me. But those people are out there. It's like they think the entire world world is there for their entertainment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think. Think for a fraction of second of thinking, no one would do these things other than criminals. Exactly. And there's nothing we can do about criminals, right? They're going to do what they're going to do, right? They're going to find a way to do whatever oh, that's nefarious. My yeah, it's and it's a great one. And you're right. The criminals are going to find whatever way they can to do the nefarious things they want to do. But the people, well, at the whole joke about the criminals is is they don't even use airsoft guns to commit crimes. Right? If a if a criminal is going to buy something that looks like a gun, he's going to spend thirty two bucks at Canadian Tire on a clear soft and spray paint it black, mm-hmm. right? and use that. 
So, and if they change, C-21 comes into force, it won't stop the sale of those guns. Exactly. The actual guns that criminals use, that the government says they want to stop, the law won't change it, mm -hmm. right? which is typical of most of the legislation that this government has brought forward. I'm mm -hmm. ranting. Oh, hey, hey, don't come on, say anything you want, buddy. I, uh, I'm sure there's <laughs> lots of people in the community that are going to share your views. Um, mine are very similar myself. I, 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 the one part that I can see it, I can see a little bit of understanding is just that point where there are people that are stupid enough to walk around with their airsoft guns. I don't agree that it's criminals out there in public trying to do law, uh, crimes with airsoft guns, but those people that are walking through a park just holding an airsoft gun, those, like you said, those, those 45 cops that showed up to your convention, they didn't know that they weren't showing up to a place where there wasn't a real guns so listen to this you might be like wow 45 cops show up for a for a toy like there is no possible way of knowing that uh from um from just a drive by well, yeah you have to consider the world that we live in right so when cops get a call of some guy walking down the street with an ar-15 the worst case scenario goes through their mind mm -hmm. the worst case scenario that guy is going to go do a mass shooting, Absolutely. right? That's what he's about. He's just looking for targets right now. And, and we have to allocate all the resources that we have to stop that from happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say, oh, well, they overreacted. Did they? Mm -hmm. They overreact? Um, if it was a real gun and that person was intent on, on a mass shooting, did they overreact? Well, Absolutely. if 45 cops didn't show up to that event, you'd be upset with them. Yeah. Which I think is exactly why you know, us. As, I don't envy. Uh, I, I think that's why no, us. I don't as envy players, the police. Yeah. Yeah, like as um, we're having a little bit of a delay on our uh, our cameras here, but uh, I think that's why us as players just have to do our best, especially at the not not just during fighting C twenty one after everything. It is you have to realize that everything you do with something that could be misconstrued as a weapon, sh it, it, everything you do is going to be negatively seen unless you're doing it properly and handling yourself in, in the best way possible. So you have to realize that all of your actions are going to negatively impact the community as a whole at a time where we are coming together really well to try and protect this sport and, and, the government and the lawmakers are looking for every reason they can to crucify this sport. So doing stupid things like that, like we just had a case down here in Niagara. It is very recent and it's, it's pure stupidity and there's no way around it and it's going to happen. So it's really up to us as players to enforce it among our peers because the cops arresting one guy here and there isn't going to change it. Uh, the ASIC Airsoft Canada guys saying you shouldn't isn't going to do anything. It comes down to the base level of if your friend's an idiot, don't let them do stupid things. Like like reinforce each other to do po be positive players in the community. Oh, absolutely. This is where you know in the in the places where we gather to play, where the greatest impact can be had. 
because there's always new people coming in and they don't know the culture. They don't know what's supposed to be done. You know, when that, so when that new guy shows up with his gun in the box that he bought it in, right. And, 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 or the guy that shows up with it wrapped in a garbage bag and he pulls it out of his car and he's at the, at the, the setup table, help him out say, dude, you should get a case for that. Mm-hmm. Right? You should have that in a proper case when you transport mm-hmm. it. And people say, oh, it's only a toy. It's, this is just a game. It's like, yeah, again, you know that. And the people that are around you know that, but no one else knows that. Mm-hmm. And just that presumption, we have a responsibility as participants in this activity to protect ourselves and also protect the community and also protect the wider community from these types of events. Absolutely. Police have got better things to do than chasing guys with airsoft guns. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is just try and be as productive as possible when you see these new players doing things like showing up to games with guns and garbage bags and whatnot, because for the most part, these players just don't know. So coming at them in an aggressive manner is not going to help grow the sport at all. It's not going to save anything. It's just going to give them a foul taste about more experienced players. Try and approach it in the most uh, helpful and knowledgeable way possible. And hopefully we all get out of this being able to enjoy our sport still. Yeah, absolutely. So here's something that everybody that's an experienced player can do. Buy yourself a cheap-ass gun case. Bring it with you empty to every game and give it to somebody that needs one. Spend 40 bucks on a cheap gun case. Bring it to every game and give it away. Yeah, even somebody who needs one. Even forty is a little and high. You can get them for twenty-two. 20. Just build that helps build the community as well. Mm-hmm. Right, you know. So, so just casing things up uh, properly is a long ways towards solving this problem. Absolutely. So, um, that's some, anyone who's got enough money to sort out their gear, their own gear. Spend another twenty-two bucks and buy a cheap you know, flexible case, whatever that you can just throw in your car, bring it to a game. And if you see somebody that needs it, give it to them. Mm -hmm. Don't sell it to them. Don't say you can have it for 10 bucks, hand it to them and say, here, use this case. Mm -hmm. This is a gift for you. And when you're finished with it, give it to somebody else. There you go. And if anybody in the community listening to this does this, make sure you send, take a picture of that and send it to me. So that way I can praise the shit out of you online to the overall community. But um, as we kind of wrap it up a bit here, Brian, it's been amazing to see, I guess, our own personal growth as, as players. I started out, you are one of my first, second commanders, and uh, you, you had said you had had one of your hardest times. I had one of my hardest defeats in Airsoft, and now we're here five, six years later having this conversation about how we're both trying to do our part to save airsoft. So it's, it's great to see the way that the community is growing together. And I really do think we're on a really uh, on a good path. It, it, we, we have a common enemy, which is the best thing for growth. Absolutely. And I think it's, uh, it's our opportunity to exploit, right? Uh, we can all come together and achieve the goals that we want, uh, not only in saving the game, but improving it. 
and improving the the, the uh, community in, at large. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's a huge opportunity, and every one of us needs to play our part uh, to do it. Um, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that it, another thing, not only just buying a case, but if you see somebody at a game that you don't know, walk over and introduce yourself. Mm-hmm. Tell them who you are, what their what your name is. Right, so that we're no longer, you know, playing with people we don't know. That the, that they're not strangers at the game that you don't care about. Um, if you see somebody at a game that you don't know, haven't seen before, introduce yourself. Mm-hmm, right. Absolutely. This uh, seems to. This is something that 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 was like the community was much smaller when I when I got involved, and everybody essentially knew each other. And when somebody new new came in, everybody knew them within <laughs> within mm-hmm. a month. Right. But now, you know, one of the things I've noticed at, at games is is guys will stand in their own little groups and look across the room and 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 not take the effort to go over and introduce themselves. Exactly. These are people that you're going to shoot. Yep. Right. These are people that are going to have impressions of you at the end of the day, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's incumbent upon you to try to make that impression as well, as positive as possible. I found. That when you introduce yourself to somebody that you haven't played with before, even if they're on the other side, when you see them on the other side of the field that you introduced yourself, now you know them. Now you're shooting your friend, not mm. just some guy. Which Important. at the the Go end ahead. of the day, when I first started uh, kind of creating my own identity in the airsoft community, one of the first things I did was I started bringing kegs to airsoft events the nights before and it was very trivial at the start yeah some people didn't know (laughs) how it was going to go off the start some people some people were very against it to start um and now that it's been something i've been doing for about three years uh people see that for the majority for the most part the community is really good about policing themselves uh, as to not over drink and be idiots and this is all just not during game hours before game but the major thing is, is it's really opened up the community into uh, getting to know people they never would. Because all of a sudden you're standing around a keg. Everyone's drawn, instead of just being tan over here, or green over here, everyone's drawn to, oh my God, there's free beer. And then everyone's talking and it's really opened up a bit of the social circle. It's a, it's a great, great ice. Very mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Um um, you know the, the social aspect of of, uh, of this pastime um, is is probably the least uh, exploited. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to the game and they then they leave and they talk amongst their own little group and you know oftentimes they they talk about the other guys. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If you've spent the evening before hanging around a keg and having a beer, uh, you know by the time you're finished with that, you're friends with all these people and and and, yeah. and you're creating relationships. You know, as human beings are are, it's all about the relationships. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta make everybody uh, of your tribe. So that there's there's no conflict then. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And that's just like you're saying about going in and introducing yourself. That's just something I'm doing my part to try and grow the community. And especially things uh, exactly like this podcast, which I don't think a lot of people realize is what the, the end goal of it is to make these guests more familiar to the the general public of players. Um, 
like you especially might seem like a very daunting person to talk to because you're the the head guy of apex and alr and you know all this other stuff you're involved in you you could even though you don't personally need to come off that way for a new player it's like oh shit who is that guy and how is he doing so you know well or whatever in airsoft but by having you on here people get to listen to your voice listen to your actual goals and, and experiences and then hopefully when they see you they'll they'll have a i don't know an icebreaker to be like oh i heard you talking about this on that show yeah, that's you know it's an interesting phenomenon. I had an experience like that. This, this, I'm a martial arts instructor as well, and so years ago I was at a, a martial arts event, and it was we were demonstrating our art. Would I, I teach Western martial arts, which okay. most people don't know about? But we were at a, a Japanese martial arts uh, symposium, mm-hmm. and they had some this grandmaster Japanese sword guy there, and he was an older gentleman. And no one would talk to him. They were all so in awe of this guy that no one would talk to him. So I didn't know any better. I went over and introduced myself and talked to him. Yeah. And he was like, well, thank God that somebody is going to talk yeah. to me here oh, because absolutely. everybody's scurrying around in fear and no one will talk to me. <laughs> well, so, that's, that's you know, we're all here for the same reason. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's funny. And, I didn't know, uh... you know. There's no reason to be, there's, Oh, sorry, oh, we're ahead. we're having a uh, we're just having a little bit of a lag in our thing. I don't we're not talking over each other. It's just we're having a internet issue here. But um, sorry, I was just to say I didn't realize you were a martial artist. Also, I did Japanese uh, goju, and then I got into boxing and uh, jujitsu and wrestling. But um, mm. it's it's funny through the people that I've talked to. A lot of the people that are taking airsoft more seriously and like the discipline side of it are martial artists. Yes, there is a correlation there. Mm-hmm. There is a correlation for sure because, again, uh, airsoft can be an expression of martial art as well, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just the same as as you know, you can play wrestle in the backyard with your friends. Or you can go to the Olympics and wrestle, mm-hmm. right? So it's the same thing with airsoft. You can you can fool around with your friends with springers in the backyard, or you can you can take it to the nth degree and mm-hmm. uh, you know invest in the equipment, the skills, and the training, and the hardware to to do it uh, up as well as it can be done. And the same is true in martial arts. You know you have some experience of that. You know there's lots of guys that come and go in martial arts they learn just enough to satisfy themselves that they that they don't want to learn anymore Mm -hmm. and then there's those people who can't learn enough right Mm -hmm. they they just can't get enough this is what i this is what i'm going to do i'm going to consume it Mm -hmm. right and and that's uh, that's the same in airsoft you know my approach uh, to airsoft is to study it and practice it as a martial art yeah well, and that's that's a great way to look at it, and that's a, a great way to look at just about anything in life. Uh, there's a there's a lot of common mindset between martial artists, but at the end of the day, especially with airsoft, we're all out here just having fun and experiencing different things, and it's incredible to have a member like you in the community that's looking to bring a, a next level style of um, event to the players looking for it. So. Cheers, buddy. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And I look forward to being able to sit down and have a drink with you in the future. Oh, come out to the ranch. 
Well, I'll be there. I'm sure I'm going to get talked into Deadfall this year. <laughs> All right, buddy. You have a great day. Well, I don't think there's any escape. In fact, you should command the JOTF. <laughs> you know, uh, I was the whole time we were talking about it. I was like, "This fucking guy is going to ask me to command." <laughs> I'll tell and you what, I will. I just did, in fact. <laughs> I know. I'm not going to say no at this moment. I will do a little bit of research, and the only reason that I wouldn't want to is that I don't know if I would be able to bring the experience that the guys that are already involved looking are looking for. Like, I don't think I would have no problem with 36 hours or cold or blah, 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 blah. It's that I don't know if I'm involved enough with that side of the community yet to be able to tell people what to do. Oh. So... <laughs> What's the date? What's the date of it again? It is. It's on the table. You. It's on. It's on the table. You can pick it up. All right. It's. Uh, it's in November. <laughs> the worst month of the, of the year in in Canada. November. I'll talk. get back. To, I'll get back. Now. Yeah, I'll get back to you another time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there All it right. is. It's on the table. It's you a... can pick it up if you want. <laughs> We're going to we're going to leave the listeners on a cliffhanger, but it's been amazing, buddy. Okay? You have a great day. Pleasure.